Welcome to Fat Chicks on Top. This podcast contains frank discussions about the body, sexuality, and occasionally uses swear words, which may not be appropriate for people under the age of 18. This podcast also uses facts, statistics, and mathematics, which may not be appropriate for liberal arts majors. And this podcast relies on science and reality, which may not be appropriate for evangelicals. Welcome to Fat Chicks on Top. It's great to have everybody back. We're here today with, with our special guest, Alex Yard. Alex writes for the Good Men Project. He is a dad. He has a daughter and a son, lives in Maplewood, New Jersey, writes for a living. And he runs the columns All Things Geek. I follow him on Instagram. I followed him for a couple of years. He is my go-to when it comes to figuring out, talking nerd stuff, geek stuff, especially with the the uh, kids in my life. And we are also joined today by our sound man extraordinaire, uh, Sharon Smith. You guys know him from the Iambic Poetry Podcast. He is my other big geek in the, in my life and the reason I know anything about the Marvel Universe. Uh, so I wanted to get both of these guys on the show today because they're both dads. They're both really into comics and they both talk a lot about it. And there's so much in comics to explore around the body, around the pop culture and understanding and all of that. So I'm going to throw it out with a real easy one to start. And um, Alex, what's your favorite comic? What's the one that you are like obsessed with, go to cosplay the whole nine yards? Well, it's funny because it changes all the time. Um, I think that uh, recently I've been into, um, well, actually, I went with my son to um, uh, New York City uh, anime, and we went as um, characters from um, Demon Slayer. Uh, okay. So that's the you know, popular anime that's going on now, and it's in its first season, second season's coming up. And um, I was the um, Demon King, and he was the main, you know, protagonist of the show. And it was fun, you know. I mean, we were into it. You know, he got into it. It's it's amazing to see the turnout that was there. You know, I I'd say, you know, I, I switch back and forth. You know, like last night we were just watching um, the Batman that came out. Um, this is oh nice. And I saw a press screening. I went and took my son yesterday. And he loved it. That's like one of his go-tos is Batman. He's always loved it. You know, I've loved it. And, you know, I was actually writing my review like now. <laughs> so, um, you know, that's going to come out soon. This, oh, sorry. I didn't, that's probably going to be one of my plugs. So. <laughs> nice. Nice. But, uh, but yeah, so, you know, I, I run the gadget. I, I, I love it all. You know, I'm, I'm excited about, uh, you know, the multiverse of madness coming out with the, the whole Dr. Strange you know, so, you know, it, it, I, I love it all. I, I really, it, it's hard for me to say, okay, what's your favorite? It's like, you know, what day is it? You know, like, <laughs> it changes, changes. And Sharon, are you the same way? Yeah. Well, I still, there's still the go-tos are still good to have, but I've kind of, I've kind of learned that 
they keep saying the same story over again. I'm sorry. Batman said the same way, just in a different spin, was kind of like, oh, good grief. Here we go. Let's try this again. Batman was killed by, you know, his parents were killed. And he did all this. Then he became this. Like, okay. How long is this story going to tell another time again? Just like Spider-Man. It's like, okay, how many times are they going to do Spider-Man again? So I enjoy them, but I also wish they was, you know, kind of move on. Just, just keep on going. Just keep on perfecting instead of trying to spin the story again with X-Men and everything else. I do love that they're on. Just like I love right now, Moon Knight's coming out. I, I, I've, loved, I've always thought that was an, an interesting character and how they're going to play him out and stuff. I, I kind of wish they actually bring in a Pink Panther. I mean, not Pink Panther. <laughs> a Black Panther of Siri. Of Siri um, character. Because I thought she was going to do... I thought she was going to become Black Panther in the next one coming up. I mean, I mean, rest soul to, um, rest soul to the, um, Chadwick, yeah. the Chadwick and stuff. But now they're talking about they need to go get, they, they need to get somebody to play, who plays them um, the Chala. I'm like, really? Okay. I get it. You don't want to make a woman, uh, the star. Okay. For fine. It's money. Okay. But yeah. <laughs> That's my thing. <laughs> so you bring up you bring up Black Panther, you bring up the role of women in comics. And that's actually how I found a lot of Alex's writing. As you started writing it when you started talking to your daughter about comic books, right? Yeah. So what has it been like to talk to a girl? Because women and girls in comics are portrayed so differently than male characters and have such different roles. What are some of the big conversations you've had with her? Well, you know. I, I like I said, my my intro to this was my daughter, who was three years old at the time, was into the Power Rangers. She loved the Power Rangers. Nice. She loved the whole Super Sentai thing. She do she had the little costume. She do the thing, and her thing was, you know, you know, why can't a girl be the Red Ranger? Because the Red Ranger was always a guy. The Red mm-hmm. Ranger was always a white guy, and you know, the girls <laughs> usually got into trouble. Or they had to get rescued or whatever. Like, yeah. why can't a girl be in control? Or why can't she be in charge? And why are all the girl characters always Yellow and you know, either, you know, the weakest ones or you know, whatever? And how come no, you know, groups are headed by a female, even though you know they'll have them on the team, they won't actually be in charge, right? So, which was deep for a girl that's three, four years old. Yeah. And these, are, these are the kinds of things that she's seeing. I mean, one of the things that I really loved about taking her to go see Wonder Woman when she was a bit older, she was about eight then, was that at that time, there were no female, you know, led superhero movies at the time at all. I mean, it took a long time for Wonder Woman to come around. She was around since like Batman was around, since Superman was around, and she only had her first movie, you know, recently. Whereas, you know, we had about 18 Batman movies and about 17 Superman movies. So that tells you exactly, you know, how things have have developed and changed. Mm-hmm. Touching on the Batman that I just saw because it's fresh in my mind, Zoe Kravitz, I, I definitely want to see her to, you know, fill out that role because she was lifted off the page for me. She was Selena Kyle for that uh-huh. whole thing. I don't know if anybody's seen it yet, but I tell you what, her performance was, I mean, chef's kiss. It was amazing. It was amazing, her characterization, where she was coming from. And, you know, she she pulled no punches and she was no damsel. She was no, you know, whatever. But, you know, and she wasn't over sexualized either. Right. She was toe to toe. She was teaching Batman a few things. So I appreciate her characterization and, 
you know, I, I like the way that Matt Reeves kind of played it off because like I was writing my review, it's, 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 it's a different take. It's not, you know, de it's definitely not like an action adventure. It's more like film noir. I was, I say the closest thing DNA wise for me when I saw it was Chinatown. Oh, cool. Um, the way that they, you know, it was kind of noirish mm -hmm. and it was dark. I mean, it was happening. It's Gotham, right? I mean, I love the way that they really kind of harnessed that kind of year one, year two Batman and not so much. They didn't start with, you know, Bruce Wayne's parents and all that. They, they, they kind of threw that stuff out and they kind of moved a little bit forward, which was great. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, I think that her characterization especially was something that I would definitely want to see more of. And, you know, when hopefully when my daughter, when she sees it, because I saw it with my son last night, I'm mm -hmm. going to take her again. I mean, I'm probably going to see this thing three or four times. She's excellent. So I want her to see that, you know, that kind of portrayal, because, again, she was savvy. She was smart. She 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 was a peer. You know, she wasn't just kind of like, you know, Batman's girlfriend. That wasn't it wasn't it wasn't that at all. It was like they were partners in it. So that was good. You know, I, I, I like so I, I do want to ask you, Alex, on that, because they've. They tried to do Catwoman once with um, Halle Berry. Yeah, yeah. I try to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I try to. I know yeah. you're trying to race out your head, yeah. but <laughs> yeah, they tried it with Halle Berry, mm -mm. and they, I mean, I thought Halle Berry's character would have been more. And I'm glad they brought they brought Zoe into this to be the and they, they actually brought in a black version instead of the you know they always mm -hmm. try to try to use Michelle Pfeiffer as the mm -hmm. as the character key one. But do you feel like this one I, I'm not I'm not saying that she's gonna get her own show, but do you feel like this one is kind of gone in a better direction with the Catwoman character? Oh, than, oh no doubt. Yeah. And you know, even when you look back at like Batman 66, you know, you had Eartha mm -hmm. Kit. Right. Yes. On there. And I tell you what, she was my favorite Catwoman, you know, coming up. I mean, when I was a little kid, I would watch like, you know, I love Eartha Kid. She was amazing. And that kind of tenacity and that kind of, you know, she 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 just kind of like she ruled the roost. It was like her thing. Right. And the way that Zoe kind of harnessed and tapped into that was also reminiscent because I think it was strong year two. Like, you know, I, I, I look at again, like even the way that they had her apartment set up, the whole thing was just kind of screaming at like, and she brings up the whole thing about how there are these, you know, kind of white privileged men ruling Gotham. I mean, that's like out of the thing. I don't want to do spoilers, but she talked about <laughs> that. She gave voice to that, which I was impressed with. And, you know, her, again, her characterization was not overly like, you know, kind of, femme fatale it was it was more kind of like partners in crime right okay so i i really appreciate that i mean the writing was excellent and you know she was allowed to put her own spin on it i as i read you know like you know she came up with stuff on the fly and matt reeve was open to it and they incorporated some of the stuff that she brought to it so clearly they did their homework on this one for me it it's it's not so much as uh kind of campy or kind of like you know out there or like whatever this was like a very grounded portrayal and again not so much action but more kind of cerebral more kind of you know film noir murder mystery coming from that angle a uh, more of a you know like you look at manhunter and like okay. those hannibal movies that kind of thing it had that more of an edge of that than i'd say kind of kind of big explosions and kind of it, it was a small and i tell you what uh patterson did a good job because 
he only had half his face to work with in his eyes. And he did more with that than I think a lot of people have done in that role. I mean, he, yeah, no, it's atmospheric. And I tell you, Gotham is the main character and everybody else is just living in it. And Gotham, you know, again, it, it's like, you know, it, it's Gotham that, that, that comes through and how you deal with Gotham and, and what Gotham does to you and what you, how you have to survive Gotham. So, so I'd say that, you know, this, this, this is kind of a step away from the traditional kind of what you might think, you know, Batman can be. And I, and I think it, it, it kind of embraces more of the kind of, in a way, the 1930s kind of, you know, uh, kind of film noirish, and also the newer um, takes on Batman's early career, trying to figure out who he is and what he is and what he wants to be. And so, you know, I, I appreciate that kind of sliver of it. Again, I, I, I was less impressed with the kind of third act finale because they have to have the big explosions and things. But my whole thing was how he weaponized darkness and how darkness is weaponized and how he navigated that and, 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 and the secrets and lies and things that, you know, are held close and the underworld, the whole kind of under. And again, it's like, you know, Gotham corrupts and everybody there is, is corrupted. So I, I, I really appreciate that take on it. Again, you know, my, my whole thing is I was more of a comic book fan. I mean, I love the movies, but my whole background of that is, you know, reading the graphic novels and, reading, you know, you know, Dark Knight Returns and, and, and those, those takes on it. Again, I, and I appreciate, you know, it looked like they did their homework on this one. This was this, the this scene, you know, I mean, again, it's fresh in my mind. So, yeah, I, I'd say I, I, was, I was happier with this take than I had been in a while. So shifting your mind from the, um, from God, from the Gotham mm-hmm. Batman to back to Wonder Woman, did you see Wonder Woman 84? I did. I did. I did. Okay. How do you feel about that one? Well, here, here's, here's my take. I didn't hate it. I definitely didn't love it as much as I loved the first one. I thought the first one really kind of nailed it. I think the second one, but the thing is, is that here, Wonder Woman through 70 years or 75 years has had all kinds of iterations. Like, you know, there was Diana the warrior. There was Diana the ambassador. There was Diana the kind of feminist icon. So I saw what Patty Jenkins was trying to do. She was going away from the kind of just straight up warrior to more kind of ambassador of peace, that kind of aspect. So, and I appreciate things about it. There are things I really liked about it. I don't think it hung together as much as, as good as a film as the first one, but I didn't hate it. And I, and I did appreciate some of the messages she was trying to, 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 to share about, you know, how, again, with the villain, who was a complex villain, who I appreciated because, you know, you saw, like everybody saw where this guy was, this cat was coming from, you know, by the end. I thought that was a powerful ending. You know, I, I really appreciate that. I, I appreciate that more than the whole kind of cheetah fighting. And again, you know, my whole thing is because I've had to do, I've had to kind of make up those scenarios in my mind, reading the comics on page static. You know, this is a new thing for me. I'm getting well fed now with all these, you know, live action iterations, right? Like, you know, my whole thing was, you know, I'd see, you know, the, the cartoons or, you know, like the excellent, you know, Batman the Animated Series or those excellent, you know, um, Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. The, those animated cartoons are were ex- excellent writers, excellent, you know, ideas, 
I say Mask of the Phantasm was probably the best, one of the best Batman movies and it was animated. Um, so I, I'd say, you know, I saw what she was trying to do. I don't think she executed it as well as she could have. But again, I didn't hate it because look, I, anytime I get to see the stuff that I was like dreaming about, you know, I'm, I'm happy about it. I, I, you know, I, I don't get into the, you know, kind of fanboy morass. I, 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 I love it all. I, I want more of it. And I want it to be told well. I, and I appreciate that, you know, Patty Jenkins is there and she has the opportunity to do it. And so, and I, and I feel you on, um, you know, Black Panther 2. I'm hoping that there will be some more female representation. I know they're, they're, they're playing with Ironheart, that she might debut in it and that she's going to have her series. Oh, okay. plus, yeah, she's, she's, she's coming. She's going to be in that, in that um, world. And, you know, and in the comics, they did have Suri was Black Panther for a while, you know. Right. So, so I'm thinking that they're probably going to look, yeah, she's going to be Black Panther and then they're going to, ch- you know, of course, they're going to, you know, kind of, that's how they do. But, yeah. um, you know, I, I remember the whole thing with Jane Foster Thor. There was this whole uproar about people having a, a oh, yeah. female Thor. And I'm like, yeah. look, why am I going to get, look, I like classic Coke. You like Coke Zero. Why am I going to yell at you because you like Coke Zero? That's none of my business. That's your preference, right? Coke right. Zero ain't going away. Classic Coke ain't going away. Diet Coke ain't going away. Everybody has their, you know, everybody can get fed, right? Everybody has a little taste. So the way I see it, the circle's big enough for all. So I'm not going to shut somebody else down because they like whatever, or they feel represented, or they feel kinship to a, a character. Because you know, the, the, the characters aren't going anywhere. You know, the, the more people, and, and this is the thing, the writing and the talent that gets to, to speak, like the female writers and the writers of color and, you know, those folks that get more representation, you know, you look you look at what happened with Black Panther. I mean, Black Panther was a billion dollar mover. I remember I was fighting for Black Panther, like in, you know, like 2004, I was like, you know, okay, Avengers, but where's Black Panther? I mean, my whole thing was like, when are we going to get T'Challa? And when we got T'Challa, I was well fed. I was happy. I remember talking to a lot of fanboys <laughs> before it came out, and they was like talking trash and oh, you're not really a fan. And well, okay, fine. And you know, and, and then I had to, you know, school them on where I'm coming from, what my background is. But again, you know, I'm not I'm not an arbiter of taste. I'm not a gatekeeper. I don't believe in that. I believe that, you know, if you're a fan, then you want to you want the circle to be bigger. You want more people to be excited as you're excited. So I'm gonna try to share with you so you get. A little more knowledge, and you get more understanding. You love it, so. But I'm not here to keep you out. I'm here to like help you up. So that's that's just where I am. You brought you brought up a good point about the the Thor, the the Jane Foster Thor stuff. They actually had, that was an actual run. There was a it was a young Avengers version where they had Mar- they, the big Miles Morales scandal came up. The um the new Hulk, the um, basically um um Amadeus uh, Cho. And also, even 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 have we now seen it, the new the Falcon America, becoming yeah. the new um, Captain America. So I mean, it's it's now becoming they're scared of a threat, and that's the thing that's catching me off. I mean, I thought I thought the I thought the uh, the new Spider Man the Spider Man with Miles Morales and Spider Universe was pretty good. I thought it was great. I yeah. thought I thought it went in a whole a whole direction that even they brought back Spider-Man, but they made sure they had a whole gambit for him to run with. And even the new one coming out, I'm I'm totally excited. Uh I'm hoping they bring Thor with Jane Foster's um I, I love the I love the run with the comic, but I hope they do bring it out 
as another. I mean, I I, I care for um, Captain Marvel, but I'm I'm aiming more to Thor's character, even though they do have their. It's it's becoming a thing where you now have to look at how much they're going to change because everyone's so enamored on Captain America has always been white. Um, Spider Man has always been white. You know, they always had these whole ideas of who has been these characters for so long. And when you see someone change a little bit, they get scared and threatened. Like, why are you doing that? It's like, what do you mean? It's still Iron Man. No, it isn't. It's a woman now drawing Iron Man. Well, now they changed their name. Ironheart. How's that? She's a black girl who is based on the MIT, basically reinvented the suit of Iron Man. And then Iron Man. And then, like you said, um, Tony Stark just thought it was fun. And helped her out, and even put his own AI into it. So I mean, I see, I see where they can go with it. I just don't know if the MCU is going to take that to to heart and change up all their um, characters. That's what I'm saying. It's one of those things, yeah. Well, and <laughs> but, you're very opinionated with where it goes because they have that. And and forgive me, nerd nerddoms out there, I am not well versed in that. But the new Spider-Man with spin. Like you went off. So you want to talk about this? Cause this is Jerron's okay. made him so mad. I had to send him to his other guy friends to vent on this. So go for it. So, so you now know they have a kid, they have a, a Disney junior version of Spider-Man friends instead of the, instead of the Iceman and Firestorm as it was back in the eighties. Now it's Ghost spider and Miles Morales, Spider-Man, but they can't call him Spider-Man. They have to call him spin. And I think they were trying to go like, well, you know, still he's still like he's a black guy, so he's black, he's a black kid, so you gotta you gotta be hip and hip hopish. I'm like, really, spin? That's 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 what we're going with. So Peter Parker still be Spider Man, but he has to be spin. Yes, he has to be spin. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I've heard this meltdown multiple times, so I want to ask you, Alex, do you have any opinion on how they've rebranded in some of these other versions of of? The well, I mean, I've heard of the 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 young, you know, version and and the kids version of. I remember they used to have that um, the Marvel superhero like the kid versions. I forget what you call it. My son was way into it. They had like they had like really classic stories and classic characters all kind of put into this kind of like you know amorphic you know kind of little you know versions of themselves. And I forget. I wish I remember the the oh, name you're of the about show. The, um, but superhero superhero something. Yeah. Damn. And it was kind of yeah, tongue in cheek, but I mean, they had like characters like Fing Fang Foom and Modok, and like you know, kind of they had deep cuts, yeah. and, the, and the stories were great. Yeah. So, and I appreciated that. And you know, look, I, I, they want the kids; to, they want as much as they can market as possible. And and I get that they're marketing to like little kids because I think that a lot of the Marvel movies, you know, they can't market to like really young kids. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that happens that, you know, maybe young kids can't handle, you know, maybe it's too violent or, you know, whatever. So I get that they're doing that. And again, I think that the more you have the people who are the decision makers, the people that are running the studios, the ones that get to, to, to produce, the ones that get to direct, the ones that get to write, if they are a more diverse pool, then you're going to have more sensitivity to, you know, the audience that they're looking to, to reach. And so I feel that, you know, you look at like, uh, like Dwayne McDuffie, who was an amazing, you know, creator and writer, you know, he wrote hardware, he did all that um, milestone comics, you know, Bloodsport, all those things. 
So when you look at his kind of characterizations and his, you know, take, you know, you look at static shock and, you know, you look at all the kind of richness that he put into, you know, his characterizations, you can tell that this is a person who is, you know, this is not, you know, your traditional, you know, comic book writer or producer. This is a person who knows his stuff, knows his craft, but also is giving it a unique, you know, like African-American flavor to the characterizations and to the subject matter. And so I feel that, you know, the more that we have of that, it will it will show through. And there's a there's a desire for it. There's a need for it. There's a market there. As long as there's a market, they're going to look to tap. I mean, look at Sony. Sony, they took a gamble with, you know, they had no idea what they had when they did the Into the Spider-Verse, right? I mean, that's an Academy Award winning movie. They had no idea right. that Miles Ross was going to take off like he did. You know, when they brought him into like the, from the Ultimate Universe and they did the whole kind of battle world thing and they kind of collapsed all that stuff in. What I really want to see is a Blue Marvel movie. All right. Uh, Blue Marvel, Ooh, yes. he's basically, if you took Mr. Fantastic and Superman and made him black, uh-huh. that's like, I mean, he's, he's, he's more powerful than I think anybody right now I mean, in the in his right. universe and when they brought him over to the ultimates and they had him and they had um Maz Maraz, and they had photon yes. was the, the captain you know is yeah. uh, uh monica rambeau and you know and they had all those well, characters yeah. and you know when you see that and, and i see hints of that coming you know because you saw in wandaverse you had monica rambeau getting her powers and you see Captain yeah. America, you know, passing the torch on to Sam and Sam refusing to take the serum. He's like, look, I'm going to work on this. How I'm going to work on it. I'm going to. I mean, that was great. That's that's great. I mean, that was really. I love inspiring. that speech. That's, that's really cool. And so so I'm always mm-hmm. look, I, I'm always looking for more. I, I want more. I want more representation. And so if I got to deal with spin for the little kids. Then it's spin for the little kid. But we know it's Miles Morales and we know that he's Spider-Man. And there are many Spider-Man in different, you know, they have this whole multiverse conceit. They can they can pull people yes, from all Spider-verse. over. Like they have Silk who's Asian, you know, she can do her thing. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, Silk, look, yeah. it's it's you have a mark, you don't want to leave any money on the table. And so, you know, I'd say why not? More. More is, is always better. But you know, I, I feel you. It's like I'm hoping that it's not just kind of like, and you can tell, like, you know, it was kind of boardroom full of white guys going, oh, how are we going to, you know, appeal to the young black audience? Well, you know, he's hip hop, you know, we'll make him spin, right? It's like, yeah, I get it, you know, whatever. I mean, thanks for thinking of us. But I thought that there was a brother <laughs> in the room saying, no, 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 stop. Let me, let me stop you right there. See, if they had a brother in the room, it's like, no, we don't have to do spins. Let's, let's, let's try right. something else. You know, right. I mean, I'm just saying, it's a, it, I'm just hoping he doesn't, you know, he's not doing moonwalking or doing a, doing a, a freaking cartwheel. Well, I haven't seen the show, so I don't, I don't know. I can't, I can't speak to what I haven't, I haven't seen it, so I don't know. I, I'm hoping I know. that it's not that bad. I, I, I think we're beyond that, but who knows, right? <laughs> I mean, because I don't need a Monday Month Power Ranger where everybody was like thinking like, oh, Black, Black Power Ranger, oh, they, oh, he does no, hip hop. No, <laughs> And the yellow Power Rangers, the Asian woman, come on. Yeah, they they, they, they fixed that up. Yeah, it took a while. They fixed it. Though. Took a while. Yeah, took a while. But the, the, um, the TV show was called Superhero Squad. Superhero Squad, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still have the DVDs, yeah. He used to love that show. Oh, yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. 
And they actually they actually reintroduced they actually introduced a whole new character oh, with Reptile. Yeah. Was basically with the kid that basically can transform yeah, all the dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like that kind of so intro character. That was the first and time. then they had, yeah, the whole thing yeah. around. Yeah, no, actually, yeah, that was mm-hmm. that was great. That was great. They they went like old school yeah. with that. I mean, like my son, he loves, you know, Jack Kirby. He loves all the comics I can't afford. Like he likes the Jack Kirby, like way <laughs> back in the day. I mean, you know, oh, nice. the new gods, like, you know, yeah. he he loves that stuff. Like he loves the old stuff. Like you know, one of his favorite characters was The Question, which was an acquisition from way back from DC. I mean, you know, he came in, actually, he came in with Peacemaker and, you know, who, again, it's a, I, I love that show. I've been watching that show. That's a great show. I love that show. It, it's fantastic. And my wife, she uh, actually went to school in Iowa. And, you know, when we commingled our CD collection, I recognized some of those songs from her, you know, kind of classic indie rock, like glam rock stuff. I was like, oh, wow, this is, yeah, I get it, man. This is cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, again, it, it's like, this is a, this is like a renaissance. This is like a golden age now for, for folks. I mean, yeah. my age and your age, I guess, that we're getting all kinds of superhero bombardment. And I think there's no stopping it. You know, I mean, it's like at one time, it was like a big cowboy, like it was all cowboys, right, in America. I was all superheroes in America. You can't get enough of it. So I, I, I hope it lasts. I hope it long, lasts long enough for it to, to have more representation. And one more thing is the Eternals. Which I love oh, the Eternals. Yes. My son loved the Eternals. A lot good. of people was like hating on the Eternals. I, I dig it. I love it. I want more of it. I'm more pleased. Yes, I, I appreciate it. Uh, Chloe Zhao, I believe, was the director. And she did oh, an yeah. excellent job. Again, I think it was too out there for some people. Or some people, but it, it didn't, you know, <laughs> it didn't fit the mold that they were into. Like you were saying, people kind of have this mold. Right. This is what it is. What's mm-hmm. and that last box, box that they want to hold on to. And once you feel like you're able to get outside that box, then that's where the growth happens. That's where you kind of learn about these characters. Like I love like Fastos and Icarus at the end. And Fastos yeah. like I always want to kick your ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Fastos was like, and Icarus was supposed to be like this, you know, whatever. And it was funny because my son was like, he made the observation. He said, wow, I think that they don't like it because the white guy was the evil guy. <laughs> he turned out to be killing, and that's what they didn't like. And he went, but he was the turncoat. And all the people of color was like, yo, yep. what's up? And so, you know, he, we made those observations or whatever. But, you know, again, it's, again, I, I appreciate that we are getting more of that though again like that they would have like i i couldn't see an eternals movie the way they portrayed them you know maybe even 10 years ago right i couldn't see that now yeah it's like sure moon knight's here you know blade's coming back right i'm kind of i'm kind of concerned with blade i'm kind of concerned i actually i actually enjoy what's snipes playing blade and i yeah, I think they kind of, I think they kind of went a, a little astray after number two, and then when number three is like really Blaze playing fighting Dracula now. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I do, I do love yeah. that. They, I think they should bring him in to. They, I, I heard that he said they didn't call him in for anything. After they, then, yeah, no, they didn't call him. They didn't, you know, whatever. They, they. But I tell you what, I mean, when you talk about the 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 Renaissance or like you know the MCU. I mean, I count Blade as like the first MCU period. Like, you know, you go back and it holds up. You watch Blade it holds now. Up. Yeah. It holds up. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's good. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I, 
God. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no. He, he made, I, I had watched it. I'd never seen it. And he made me watch it. I loved it. The second one. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Dimension just, Returns. A lot of times that happens. Yeah. It was. But the first, first one, one was, was hella good. Untouchable. First one was good. <laughs> right. So your daughter came in through Power mm-hmm. Rangers. How did your son get into comics? What was his introduction to it? Wow. Well, you know, I think that, you know, I think it was a superhero squad. I think it was superhero squad. I mean, he had always been interested in my comics. Like he, we would read stuff and, mm-hmm. you know, we, I did these, they had these great Marvel five minute bedtime stories, like these books, like huge nice. books. And it was all these like comic heroes and like whatever. My daughter was into the Disney one, but he was into the Marvel one. And so he was always, you know, I'm a big geek and I had always shared the, st- the stuff that I was watching, he would watch with me. Um, he was big into anime. He liked, uh, you know, uh, Naturo and, you know, he liked also he liked Dragon Ball Z. And, you know, again, it was like anything I was watching, he would come watch with me. So, you know, and a lot of the times you, he was watching stuff he probably shouldn't have watched, but, you know, hey, that's just, that's just, you know, well, well, let's talk about this, you know, like well, what's going on. But, um, but yeah, no, I, you know, it was basically free range. He, anything he wanted to read, you know, I would let him read because reading is reading. You know, I was a literacy teacher for years mm-hmm. and, you know, high interest is high interest books. And when you have kids reading high interest books and books that are, you know, maybe they don't understand, they'll go look the word up and then, you know, they, their lexicon gets bigger. So that's a good thing. You know, you, you want to encourage that reading is reading. So if it's comic books, manga, whatever it is, let the kid read. You know, and well, and I want to double down on that because the kids, especially the boys in my life, uh, my my godson, my nephew, they hated reading. They have loved reading comic books. Sitting and reading a chapter book was like painstaking for both of them, but they love reading comics. So why not? Because you get the visual yeah. cues. You see what's going on. Right. So in a good comic, you can just look yeah. at the panel. You don't have to read and you can see what's going on. And so you're, 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 you know, like, you know, my, my son had challenges too, you know, dysgraphia and, 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 and dyslexia and yeah. And, and so, you know, that all helps, you know, the more practice, the more tools that you develop, you know, the more comfortable you become, it just, it just adds to it. It just, it just makes it yeah. more, less of a chore and more of a joy. And that's the thing you want kids to really love reading and love and, and, and surround them with books. I was gonna say, do you, do you uh, going back to um, her her um, her godson? He he has a he had his 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 fathers did not want to be affiliated with what he liked. They just they encouraged it. They didn't encourage. They thought the comics and and all the superhero stuff was kind of trivial and nonsense. Um, and really downplayed the connection to that. But he has a very strong connection to it. He's in his 20s now, still has a very strong connection to it. For both of you, was that your experience? You finally found characters and you're like, oh, I kind of understand my world through them. Or how was your your connection to it? Because I'm watching it with my godson or my nephew as well, who like can really sink his teeth into Black Panther. And we got him the Black Panther chapter books for Christmas. And he's really excited about those this year. So to be honest with you, the thing that brought me in was the mutants. That's what brought me in. Cause it wasn't it wasn't the Avengers first. It was actually the mutants. Because the mutants had Storm. The mutants had they had, you know, they had not only did they have Wolverine and all the other characters and stuff, they had black characters that came in as misfits already. So when you basically are a misfit, you already know, like, well, I know we're already discriminated. 
they're discriminated too. We we all the same. <laughs> and just even Storm's character being a powerful representation. She she I mean, not only was she the African queen who had her own elements and stuff, she is basically coming in with authority figure. She's like, I am not taking a bullcrap from y'all. And y'all gonna follow me if I want to. I'll follow this man, but I'll follow you follow me. And that's what kept, I mean, even 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 her evolving. Um, because I know Storm was back in the day, she had a mohawk. In the 80s, she had a mohawk. She went from changing so many situations. I mean, they made Storm into like a, almost like a biker chick for a while. That's the um, 90s. Yeah. <laughs> she was a biker chick. Then they, then they rebranded her when, when they brought the cartoon out. You know, I just made Storm my Storm, my, my X-Men outfit. And they basically changed her up, gave her a little bit of a skirt, but she, she's wearing pants, gave her a cape, and she was flying and stuff. But, and then even with um, Holly Berry playing her, it, it, that's what brought me into comic books. And that, then from there, I started just going from dark horse to, to image. I mean, I went, I went, I went ham with a lot of comic books. I didn't just go DC. Didn't, I didn't feel right with DC DC. It wasn't until static shock. And then also learned about black Vulcan that I got more into, but they always kept black Vulcan in the background. So it was, it was, it was a lot of, you got to basically like, okay, I see where they're going, but, <laughs> these are my guys i like <laughs> i say you know some of my earliest so, yeah. exposure to just kind of like comic book you know hero type things i mean you know like super friends you know in the mornings you know getting up watching early um i remember getting up watching uh and i would tape these shows on robo uh robotech robotech way back in the day Nice. And like, you know, this is the, 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 the time of VHS yes. tapes where you would like, you know, have to like cut out the commercials so you could get uh-huh. enough space so you could use the same tape. And like, you know, I was up and all that. I was just like, you know, whatever. And at yep. one time, as I got older, there was like, anime was very expensive. Like, you know, you get tapes, like, you know, the imports were like 70 bucks. Oh, yeah. So I would go to Chinatown and I would, you know, go rent copies of anime tapes i belong to this club and the tapes were in japanese and then they'd have subtitles that were japanese cantonese and then something else and i remember going with my little japanese to english dictionary and going through and trying to train because this is even before they had the translations really i mean this is like way back and so i would like I, i learned a lot of japanese just watching these imported tapes that I couldn't afford to buy that I would rent in Chinatown. So I remember, you know, being way into like, you know, Dragon Ball, Fist of the North Star. And I remember, um, nice, you know, even like Sailor Moon and uh, Lupin the Third, and, and, you know, all those like Japanese, like yeah. manga characters that they went to anime. And on the American side, again, it was kind of like, you know, Batman, Superman, traditional, like whatever. I did love X-Men, especially, um, who was it? It was Chris, Chris Claremont and, you know, his, his run. Yeah, exactly. And, and again, and the funny thing is, is like Stan Lee talked about this, is that, you know, they, the X-Men were um, supposed to be, you know, Black folks. I mean, they, they were a stand-in for you know what was happening in the civil rights movement because you know they were discriminated against and if you look at the stories i mean you know you can see it's not even hidden you know that's what they were trying to do and i remember you know uh reading like the early on um black panther stories how you know it was black panther versus the kkk oh, yeah. 
They didn't want to, you know, there were a lot of people that got pushed yeah, back yeah. about that. But to his credit, Stan Lee says, no, we're going to we're going to publish. And that was one of the best runs. I mean, yeah, it was problematic. Tyler was like jungle series, you know, whatever tales and whatever. You know, there was some problematic stuff. And this is written more by white guys. But that they had the wherewithal to have a black king taking on the Klan in the United States at that time. You know, that was I'll give them some credit for that. You know, I, I think that, you know, and Stanley talked about, you know, what his favorite characters were. One of his favorites, he says, sure, that was Black Panther. And he loved Chadwick Boseman's portrayal. And they have a lot of interviews with him and Chadwick and talking about how, you know, this is one something he was so proud of is that, you know, you had this African king who took no mess. You know, he was brilliant. You know, basically he did everything that you would want. You know, this was like an, uh, like an archetype, like somebody that, you know, kids could look up to. And not only black kids, you know, little white kids were like, wow, Black Panther. Like one of my best friends, his son, you know, he went as Black Panther. He's, you know, the white kid. He was like, you know, I want to be like Black Panther. And, what I, and yeah. it was cool. It was like, yeah. When I was growing up, I saw Star Wars for the first time. My mother took me. I didn't even know what it was going to be. I was seven years old. And I saw Star Wars for the first time in the theaters. That's a lie. <laughs> and <laughs> we're all there with and, you. And I was like, yeah, blown away. <laughs> and because it was that whole hero's journey. And yeah, Luke was a white kid, but he was a poor kid, right? He was a poor kid from nowhere. And he could be somebody that's like, you know, hey, you know, that's that's a good message. Coming out of nowhere, you know, had a mentor, you know, that whole hero's journey is aspirational. And I think that when you see characters that you resonate with and you see, you can see yourself, even in a character that might not share some of your background, you could, that can resonate with you. And that's good writing. That's good storytelling. Mm-hmm. That's 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 there are things that are universal. Like I remember Star Trek was a big one for me, too, because, you know, they had this, you know, diverse cast. They had, you know, Lieutenant Uhura, who, by the way, Martin Luther King encouraged her to be Lieutenant Uhura. He says, look, you're going to be an officer in a, you know, on a starship. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a big thing. Like six, when did that start? Like 60 something? Yeah, it's like, no, 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 you, you got to do this because she was not a maid. She wasn't a housekeeper. She wasn't, you know, she was an officer and she, you know, had the, the representation was there. And so I think that, you know, when I think back on that and, 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 and that, and the funny thing is, is Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz, they're the ones we have to thank for Star Trek because nobody wanted yes. to do it. And then Lucy saw it and she said, you know what? I'm going to, you know, let's do the pilot. And let's, you know, and Desilu Productions are the ones that gave us Star Trek. And now you look at now, I just saw the premiere last night when I got home from Batman. I went and saw, you know, Picard, the season. I was like, oh, my God, I love this. I love I mean, I love the show, period. But again, we're having the same conversations about Star Trek that we're having about Marvel and DC, about representation and and the whole gender and non-gender or, you know, people are, you know, gender fluid or people that are, you know, uh, LGBTQ or whatever, you don't see a problem with being exclusive and being a Star Trek fan, and you haven't been paying attention. Because Gene Roddenberry himself said that this, we're looking for a future where those things don't matter to folks. It's like everybody works together. So, you know, you can't be looking for an alien culture and not respect folks that are a different, you know, orientation or whatever than you. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. So you see a lot of chatter. I tell you one thing, one of my favorite shows now, 
of Star Trek is Prodigy, which is geared towards kids. But guess what? Some oh, of yeah. the best episodes yes. of Star Trek I have ever seen have been this year in Prodigy. And I would recommend anybody to go check that out because I tell you what, that was amazing, amazing show. And again, representative. And, you know, the, 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 the way that they, the way that they, the writing, you know, again, that's like, you know, the writing was so on point and so, <laughs> so, you know, metaphorical. And you can see where they're trying to, you know, talk about issues that, you know, again, science fiction has always been a way that people can talk about issues that are, are, are real issues to real people, but kind of veiled in that, oh, this is another place or another time, but it talks to what's happening today. And I think that, and I applaud them for, you know, the representation and the, you know, the, the inclusiveness of, you know, the writing and the portrayals that they have in the recent tracks, especially with Prodigy, I, that just blew me away. So, yeah. And again, it's, it's, again, it's, it's more, better, more representation. If you look at who the, who's directing and who's writing, there are, there are not just kind of Joe Smith's. There are, you know, there are all kinds of folks that are writing, you know, male, female, mm -hmm. whatever. So I say, you know, the more, the better. You know, so. so in the U.S., there's a yeah. ton of pressure to bring in representation and bring in diversity in its various forms into comics, into who's in the writer's room, who's on the screen. And both of you have mentioned manga and anime. Uh, that was my introduction in my teens is Captain Harlock and a Queen of a Thousand Years was my first. Oh, nice. <laughs> at 13, I remember like binge watching that. Yeah, and then that uh, for my ex-wife, it was Robotech. One. And we you, you talked about the videos. She had the complete video collection on DVD at Robotech that we moved <laughs> with us through multiple homes on like VHS. Um, yeah. So do you see the same pressure? Do you see different types of representation? I mean, how do for folks who aren't as familiar with manga and anime, how does that stuff mirror or differ from what we see in the major u.s franchises it's it's a little it's a little i ain't gonna say a little more racial <laughs> but it is a little bit awful putting because they still see they can't really adapt to the fact of black people is like they got big lips and short hair and almost like african it's like really <laughs> they're the way they still characterize is still a big thing for them yeah but but there's a lot, but there but there's, there's been a lot of good. I mean, even same thing with even same thing with breast size for women. They just really get really ridiculous. So sometimes it's like, okay, where are you trying to go with this? <laughs> it's like we are attracted with this much. Like okay, that's the rule. Really, guys. <laughs> and same thing with the their, their Marvel version. They have a Marvel version of Jap of a Japanese version of Marvel. So they've done that too. So yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I tell you again, not being mm -hmm. from the culture and only being, you know, kind of because I can't speak for, right. for folks, you know, who are Japanese or Japanese extraction. But I tell you what, you know, there is that whole kind of blonde hair, blue eye, you know, whatever. Those are the most powerful. Those are the most desirable. You know, there are certain shapes or sizes that are. It's very male. It's very kind of. Um, there's this perspective that is very kind of dude bro as far as anime goes, you know, in, in Japan. And so again, when you see things that aren't, or that, you know, kind of speak to things that are uh, less kind of 
fetishizing um, African American or you know women or whatever, it 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 it's it's refreshing. Is when you when you see that and and when you again, I I think that when you have more like I saw, oh my gosh, what is the name of it? I'm blanking on the name. I'm gonna find it. But there are there's a series with this uh, Brazilian woman who's you know she's from the streets. She she has a a girl who may or may not be her kid. That's her sidekick, and they go through these adventures or whatever. And the way that she's portrayed is, I think, great. I, I think it's I forget the name of the show. It was on it was on Netflix when I first saw it. And I thought it was fantastic. I'll look it up and, I, and I'll get it to folks. But you know, there 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 are examples, there are jewels I've seen that are like, okay, I, I I get this. And 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 coincidentally, some of those things are you know folks who are American, you know, even African American, going to Japan and 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 being part of the production. And I think that it's great when you have like a vehicle like Netflix who produces their own content and who can take from different writers kind of globally and create their own content so that you get more of a representation or representative mm -hmm. voices uh, within you know, whatever genre you're doing. I really loved a lot of the action series that they had recently. They had this thing, uh, Gunpowder mm -hmm. Milkshake. They had oh. Angela Bassett and um, yes, really. uh, Michelle Yeoh and yeah. who else was in it? There was a, a bunch of folks in it that I really loved. And it was kind of a John Wick kind of take thing, but it was, you know, female led. And that was remarkable. I really loved that. You know, and I, I love, you know, again, I, there's just so much that I, I, I want folks not to be scared to, to try and explore, get your feet wet. I mean, some of the stuff you're going to like, some of the stuff you're going to hate, but you know, definitely, you know, check stuff out because, you know, again, if you just think that, okay, this is the stuff that I can like, because this is the stuff that looks like me, or this is the stuff that I can understand, you, you're missing out on a whole, whole lot of stuff. So I would recommend just kind of spend some time surfing and, and looking at, and, you know, reading my column. <laughs> I, I No, I endorse it. I've learned so much <laughs> from your column. I read it all the time. <laughs> you brought up one thing that's not discussed very much. There's lots of discussions around the way women are represented in, in comics, the way different races are, uh, but people of size. And almost always a fat character is bad. It's representing gluttony, slovenly, evil. Like Jabba the Hutt is kind of the, the quintessential oozing fat blob right there there was some discussion when she re was relaunched on netflix they came out and one of the characters was a bit larger bodied and people loved it and by the fourth season they had slimmed her down but when you're looking at and part of that was the storyline where she was getting older and growing up and moving into a you know more adult role but when you've looked at comics and when you look at representation do you see much in terms of positive representation of people who tend to be bigger and not, you know, six pack abs and triple D tits that are still up <laughs> at their chin level? I was going to say, I was, I was, I was going to point out what you, what you're saying. Cause like the, the, the show, the Watchmen, that was a, that right there. That was a representation that no one saw coming. And even the fact that they even brought in the Tulsa incident, into that that just brings a whole different history of it of the whole of the whole situation they're right now bringing they're right they're right now bringing back she-hulk into the picture and stuff and before she-hulk was always you know she was big bulky i'm um, she-hulk mad and then they start start accentuating her into being more seductive and 
it kind of got a little weird because after a while, men started looking at like, oh, I want to get some of that She-Hulk. And it's like, it's not that kind of way. She, she's still strong. She still has smoke ways. She's just not, not as that. But she was also a, a, a lawyer. She's also a lawyer. So she liked being the She-Hulk because she felt more confident. It's almost like putting on, you know, you've, you've got a certain dress or something you like that you feel positive. She felt, um, Jennifer felt confident in her, in being a She-Hulk than she did being herself. And she walked in like that. She, she had a perfect stride and stuff. So I, I see that as, even though it's a size difference and stuff, I think it's more of a confidence. You know, it's like, I got this confidence and this is who I am. This is my, my outfit. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll piggyback on, you know, the Watchmen, definitely. But I don't know how many people had seen a Lovecraft. Love that. And which oh, my God. HBO. And I tell you what, the characterizations there, the way they delve into what you were talking about, race and size and class and all these different things. And again, H.P. Lovecraft was a racist, straight well, up. Which is racist, why it made it so okay? brilliant with the twist. Well, that's yeah. what I'm saying is that if you have confident writing and you have producers that are willing to look at what's what's here that we can like looking at it and saying, you know, we're going to flip the script on this, then you have brilliant TV. And I'd say Lovecraft Country is a perfect example of all the things that you were talking about. OK, when you talk about I forget the, the, the character's name where she goes back and she's Hippolyta. Right. And she's a she's a she's she's no skinny girl. She's a big girl. But she, the way she was, you know, doing her thing and learning and training and whatever, that whole like series there where she was going through time, I was like, wow, this is amazing. This is so good. And that, yes, a lot of, you know, white folks were like, is that real Tulsa? That whole bombing of, you know, Tulsa and the whole thing? I said, yes, that is an actual thing that happened. And I appreciate that they did that, that they did, you know, kind of talk about real historical especially in the the age that we have now where people are trying mm-hmm. to erase history and erase those kind of events is is great that you know we have voices like you know Jordan Peele and the folks that are you know um producing these kinds of shows to have people you know have this kind of mass mm-hmm. appeal i think you know doom patrol is another one i really like and you know they and they talk about you know the 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 character who um but you know she had this they talk about her body dysmorphia and how she that whole yeah you know and you know and then you know jane with all her different aspects of what's going on as far as her mental illness and how she maintains that and like everybody has some kind of you know again misfits it talks about you know kind of tapping into the whole x-men thing about how people are you know perceived or you know whatever like i love you know, that whole first season where they had Danny the Street. I don't know if people have seen the Doom Patrol, but I mean, it was amazing, you know, and that they have this character who, you know, is a gay character who was, you know, in, you know, uh, during like World War II or whatever, where you couldn't right. be openly gay and that he was in the service and that, you know, they talk about his love life and his stories and, and whatever. And so I think that, you know, when you have writing like that and when you have like, like say Harley Quinn, you know, the animated series now that was on HBO, I mean, HBO's yeah. not out of the park, HBO Max, and, you know, her relationship with uh, Poison Ivy, which is true to the comics, you know, and so when when you see things like that, you know, that gives me hope, that gives me kind of like, okay, well, we're, we're, we're t- starting to touch on this kind of stuff, 
and we're we're seeing representation and we're seeing a sensitive kind of nuanced talk about these issues that you know people are uncomfortable talking about. I'm encouraged to see more of that. There needs to be more. Like even in Prodigy, Rock, the girl who is this, you know, massive. And it's funny, she was like, I don't want to be security. Sure, she's physically the strongest. She's a why I gotta be security. Cause I'm big, you know. And her whole thing is resistant to that because she's gentle, you know, she doesn't want to be security. She wants a different role. And that, I'm telling you, that story where she was, you know, I'm not gonna give it away, but there was a whole thing with time that the the different characters were in different parts of the ship and were affected by time differently. And that she spent all her time basically learning everything she could. And so by the time they all got together, she was like, you know, she knew all these different things. And they had all worked together to get to, to, to science it out. I mean, that was, I mean, that's like as trek as you can get. I mean, it was amazing. And so, you know, again, you know, I I I love that kind of storytelling. I think that again, if you have people that are more sensitive and more competent and more. Um, willing to look at, you know, like having, you know, media itself is it's kind of, it's a mirror, but it's also a window, right? It's like, you can see yourself, but then you also see other people. And so the more kind of stories that we mm-hmm. have that represent more people, get more people looking at themselves and at each other, the better. And whatever genre it is, whatever your thing is, you know, I say more, great, do it, you know, because we, we've got to figure it out. You know, we look at what's happening now as people are not figuring it out. And this is where we are. You know, so. No, and I, I completely agree with that. And Lovecraft Country has got to be the best thing I've watched in oh, a year. I felt bad they didn't go for a second season. Yeah, I'm really sad about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you talk about sensitive representation. My favorite fat character is a completely not sensitive representation. And it's Pam from Archer. Oh, <laughs> so, and Archer is... If you looked at it with just a straight face and no satire, you could find lots of very problematic. Well, they 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 are problematic on purpose. Absolutely. Yes. So I wanted to ask both of you: when you look at that, is there a, a space for something that is like, yeah, we're problematic and we're going to be problematic all the way through, and just horrible people where it's not detrimental, or is that still that embracing of that type of humor is that detrimental i mean how do you see where that falls in the the whole realm of what you can watch out there well here i i remember there was a show called chosen i don't know if you remember this show there was a show with um the guy from um snl and i actually had i'm embarrassed that i forget the guy's name because i had covered it um at comic-con like years ago when it came out but it was on fx and it was this uh jewish rapper oh, yeah. who was gay that came out of prison and all he rapped about was like doing it with black guys and like whatever. I mean, it was hilarious. I mean, it, but it equally was offensive to everyone. I mean, they offended everybody. So I think that there's a, there's a line. It's kind of like, you know, when you see it, you know, it's, it's not, you know, whatever. But for me, it's like, look, if it's funny, it's funny. And if it's not, it's not. So you know, for me, I would have to see mm-hmm. examples to, to say, okay, yeah, that's too far, or yeah, that's, you know, whatever. But, you know, like that show was, had brilliant writing. And I, I think, again, it, it depends on who's writing it, who's it for, who's producing it, like what, you know, what was the, who's telling this story? I think that goes a lot to it, you know, for me at least. So. I've always thought the one that 
caught my attention was the lower deck the the rick and morty version of star trek where you base you you not only have the um the captain who is the voice of um she's a voice from a different world she used to be i forgot her got her name she used to be the the main the main not black the southern girl in different world not not the one i love not 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 um, it's not Lisa ah, Bonet. Either. Not the Southern girl. Yeah. She's she was another. She was an, another. Character. No, I know who you're talking about. I don't know her name. Oh I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. Jalisa. It was like Jalisa or something like that. Yeah, Jalisa or something. But yeah, she she's you know she's she's the captain, and then her daughter is the is this underling who wants to st- who has high hopes but doesn't want to do much. She's like, I don't really care for this thing. I just want to just relax. And just seeing them going through all their emotions, even though they're looked at, it's almost like looking at, we always looked at the red, the red shirt character and what, why is they always get themselves killed? And then you like, look now, now they took this whole idea and just, just ran with it. It's like, all right, we got all these red shirts in this one area. Uh, they got one, you know, I think, I think he's a, I, I think he's a half Android, half, I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. half Puerto Rican kid or something that he, yeah, he's implanted, but it's just having that whole spectrum of how their whole, they, they're, they take care of all the, the gunk, the, the radioactive, the situations, the, and it's like, even though all their high commanders always got all the high hopes, they're always like, he's doing the grunt work. Somebody's got <laughs> you finally got Puerto Rican representation in Star Trek, like which is the one missing yeah. from like the first what four or five versions of yeah. Star Trek. There were no Puerto Ricans anywhere. Well, Discovery you finally know, you, get it. You have yeah. um, yeah, Wilson Cruz. Yeah. He's amazing. Oh, yeah. he, he's he's yeah. extraordinary. That the the Doctor and and the engineers' relationship that's like you know right. groundbreaking right there. And also that they have this kind of adoptive folks that they have that are working through their own thing. I mean, it's like that little family there is like it's, it's, to see that interchange, right, is, is, is remarkable. I mean, again, you know, and that when you started off with Discovery, you had uh, Michael Burnham, who was, you know, she was a prisoner. She was like, you know, whatever on the outs. And then she went to, you know, full on captain and she had her whole exploits and things. I mean, it's there, there's not a lot you can put in front of me as far as Star Trek is concerned to me to say, oh, no, I can't, you know, I'm not with Because, I mean, it's it's just, it, it, it's wonderful. And I mean, there's more, I think there's going to be more Trek on TV next year than there's ever been. Like, mm-hmm. new shows, right? So... You know, I'm I'm all for. They're bringing it. back some of the old ones. They're trying to they're trying to re they're trying to reformate the the first very first Star Trek. Yeah, 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 yeah. Strange new worlds. I think that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, strange new world. And, but the one that I was going to laugh when you said well, I was going to point out Deep Space Nine oh, yeah. with the commander, <laughs> and that used to be the joke of the that used to be the joke of the '90s. Like they can't even give him a, a ship. They give him a, sta- a station just for him to chill out and just. Everyone come to him stuff. So that was always the biggest the joke until kind of Discovery came out. So well, no, he had he had to find which was cool. He, he, he became a commander. And I tell you yeah. that station. I mean, they we worked that station. He he uh, and, and and I tell you, I love the thing that I loved about it is because as a father seeing that show and his interaction with his son, I mean, that was just. That was that was great. That you know, like he kissed his son, and that he shared the things that he shared with his son, and that you know he had this love of baseball, and he, he played it with his son, and that also he had this kind of relationship to Bajor, that he was this prophet or this you know this this person who was this religious figure as well. I mean, you know that Cisco character, 
was remarkable. And 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 I I really loved how when they had that first, you know, I think it was the, the pilot episode when they were talking about how his how he was changed by losing his wife and well, and that went back to next generation yeah. when you know Picard was Lacutus and he caused all that all those problems and killed all those officers. His wife was one of those fatalities. And so he did him and Picard yeah. were like fire and water. They at all. He was like, I, I felt that. that I was had, like, okay, yeah. yeah, I feel that. I feel that. And also that that show talked about, I remember there was a thing where he was this writer. One of my favorite episodes is he was this writer and he was a black writer and he couldn't get his stuff published. And, you know, and all the characters were, I mean, I forget how it, there was the resolution, but he was like, I know that this is real. You know, this is real. He It's like, you know, a black man, you know, in space commanding a, you know, whatever. That's never, that's not real. That's not positive. No, I know it's real. Okay. I, I mean, that okay. was such a trip. That was so great. I mean, that was just brilliant writing. I, I love that, that episode. I think, I wish I remembered the episode, but it's, 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 it's things like that where, you know, I thought that they really kind of tapped into Avery Brooks and Avery Brooks is an amazing actor. I loved him from, I remember him, uh, a man called Hawk. I remember he was, yeah, him and, um, what's his name? That. Uh, I forget the guy, but he was a, he, he, that guy had a show and the, he was like his, his best friend. And then he had a show hmm. and I forget the original show. Right. Um, <laughs> I just remember Avery Brooks, a man called Hawk. I was like, wow, he was badass. <laughs> he was, yeah, he was amazing. So being that, so switching up from back to Marvel and stuff, I know right now they're bringing in a lot of, lot of old um, new characters that people have never mm-hmm. seen before, like Luke, like Luke Cage being Power Man and stuff, or even the whole, the whole inner of uh, Daredevil, J- um, Jessica Jones, and even Iron Fist. They brought all that in. They're they're now talking about bringing it back, but just sticking with the Luke Cage character. Luke Cage was basically, uh, as I heard from a joke from um, from um, um, Roy, Roy Wood Jr., he said, you know, everyone else is basically battling the world. Luke Cage is only battling his block. <laughs> yeah. He's only taking yeah. on whatever comes with the block. Well, I mean, when, the Heroes for Hire, when it was him and, and, and the, that, that, they were like street-level characters. It was like him, Daredevil, you know, to some extent Spider-Man even, because, you know, it was all about the neighborhood and about New York City, basically. So, you know, I mean, I, I get that. And because you're on TV, he had a TV budget before the whole Disney takeover. So I get how Jeff Loeb had to like cut corners. It was like, okay, we got to film this in this parking lot at night. <laughs> and we got to, you know, whatever. They they didn't have a big budget, but I love what they do with that stuff. And I'm, I'm glad that a lot of those characters are going to cross over. Like, you know, you had Daredevil in, you know, the latest Spider-Man. You know, I, I think that's, that's brilliant. And because they have this whole multiverse you can pull those folks from wherever you want. So nothing wrong with that. I like that. I like so that we're, we're, we're coming towards the end of our time. And I want to ask both of you, if you were going to tell people to watch three things to get really excited, like if they've been like me and watched it tangentially and like, or when you've been drug on a date, you watch it and you're really going to say, watch the, if you want to get excited about it, if you want to see the best of what's out there as an introduction, what are the three things you tell people to watch or read? That's the, that's a preference. It's like who you're talking to. Just in general. Okay. Well, I do so. I do tell people watch Spider Man into the multiverse, into the Spider Verse. That gives people a little bit of sight. Like, oh, okay, I can see that. I can really, I can see myself interfacing with it. Uh, what do you got, Alex? <laughs> well, I, I really appreciate David Walker's um, mm. Bitter Root. Oh, okay. Book. 
that is kind of like a um, it's 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 kind of during the Harlem Renaissance, uh, right around you know um, in World War One with this flu epidemic and whatever. And it's about this family of uh, not really Ghostbusters but demon slayers, and they're all African American. It's during the Harlem Renaissance, nice. and it is brilliant. It is brilliant, brilliant, brilliant work. And I'd say that if you want an introduction to a kind of an occult uh, comic that is also historically relevant and and and, and well written, you know, I would say you know David Walker is one of my favorite you know writers right now, and you know his his he had a run on Nighthawk. He also did a, a lot of stuff for DT and Marvel. I mean, that you know, he's amazing. David F. Walker, you, you should remember that name. Those that hadn't seen it, I would say Lovecraft Country. Go look for Lovecraft Country for sure to go see that. Um, if they haven't been exposed to it, they really need to. There's just so much. Uh, it's so rich. Uh, they would need to, to, to take a look at that. I have to, you have to give a little more thought for the third one, but so know, that that's ahead. three references for people to get started at. Uh, <laughs> 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 think about that, yeah, yeah, that, that'll get three together, and I'll put up the links up on the site to each of those those items. And lastly, when our listeners want to find you, when they want to read your stuff, okay, well, you can find me at thegoodmenproject.com. Uh, all things geek, uh, I edit and write for all things geek. I write for a lot of different publications, but you know you can find me there. That's kind of my warehouse, my my wheelhouse there. Um, you can find me on Twitter at uh, that Alex Yard. You can find me on Instagram at InstaYard. And again, my whole thing is bringing you know pop culture, media, looking at how pop culture and different media can kind of coincide and 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 coexist with um, social justice and how, you know, we can look at making, you know, geek culture more inclusive and realizing that, you know, geek culture is just part of culture and, you know, people need to, you know, uh, have a voice and be represented and to see themselves in the mirror and also look out the window and see other folks. So that that's where I am. And that's, that's, that's my whole thing. So yes. Yeah. And I, I'll send Thanks. you links. Find out geek culture. He's a brilliant writer. I love reading his stuff. I check him out all the time online. Um, his Instagram is hella fun because it's all like comic book stuff and kids and the best barbecue. Like I've got to come back and have barbecue with you. I, uh, I think about that all the time when you post pictures. Uh, I've had a lot of time. I've been homebound. I've been staycation. So I got a lot of time to cook out in the back. <laughs> it's been wonderful to have you on the show. Thank you very much. And thank you, Sharon, for, for coming on and doing more than just recurring. Come on, man. Yo, look, look for me, fam. Look for me. Definitely. I want to link up with you, man. Definitely. I got you. I follow you. And now... A moment of gratitude. I'm grateful for my family, my family's health and well-being. You know, it's been a hard couple of years with the whole COVID thing. And finally, it looks like we're turning the corner, really turning the corner. And, you know, that my kids have been resilient going through school, non-school, half school. And my wife, you know, I'm grateful for her because, you know, we're driving her crazy. 
but she's been, you know, holding it all, holding it all together. So, you know, my family, you know, my family, my health, their health, you know, that's, that, that's gotta be paramount for me always. This has been an episode of Fat Chicks on Top. Fat Chicks on Top is produced and hosted by Auntie Vice. Audio production is by A Serious Production. You can find all information about Fat Chicks on Top at fatchicksontop.com and follow Auntie Vice at Auntie Vice on most social media.